I need your prayers. Um, Malachi chapter 4. This is the close of the Old Testament. It's a powerful, powerful message, a powerful promise from the Lord and a very critical warning also to that generation and to ours today still. Malachi says here in in the final words of this short little book, for behold the day that cometh that shall burn as an oven and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. If you have, have your Bible and you're looking at it right now, notice how the word Son of righteousness appears. Capital S-U-N, not S-O-N, capital S-U-N. This is, of course, a reference to Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Son of Righteousness is going to appear or arise with healing in His wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. That is a calf that is well-fed. well-fed and and nourished and blessed. And people who know the Lord are just that. You shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, he said, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so the Old Testament closes. It would be... 400 years before the words of the New Testament would be heard in that generation. The message of John the Baptist coming in the wilderness preaching the gospel, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist coming as part of this promise, this prophecy, as well as the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The title for my message today is going to sound a little unusual. I hope to make some sense of it. But the title of my message is Glory, Glory, Hallelujah. Do you recognize the words? I'd be surprised if you didn't. I want to tell you a remarkable story. In February of 1862, a doctor by the name of Samuel Howe visited a Union Army camp outside of Washington, D.C. 
Dr. Howe was commissioned by the State Department to be responsible for sanitation in the Union Army camps. And no, he was not a sanitation engineer. He was responsible, Doc, for programs that would help cut down on disease that was so prevalent during the war. While visiting that camp, he took along his wife, Julia Ward Howe. And on that occasion, they listened to what had been an abolitionist song titled, John Brown's Ghost. Had been around for 25 years or more. And leaving the camp on that occasion, he told his wife, Julia, who was, uh, had poetic tendencies, he told his wife, Julia, you should write some different lyrics to that song. They went home, and just a couple days later, Julia Ward Howe woke up before dawn. And in her words, she said she was given, given the, the words, the entire words to this song in just a moment's time. And she got up and, and wrote them down. She said, if I lay here and go back to sleep, I, I'll probably forget them. She got up and she wrote them down. And the title to the song was, Mine Eyes Have Seen the Glory. But the song became immediately, wildly popular. So much so that the Union Army soldiers and the Confederate Army soldiers sang this song during the war, both sides. And the song has come to be known as the, sadly, the Battle Hymn of the Republic. The song title is really unfortunate, but the, the lyrics to the song, I would encourage you all to Google that, look it up on the internet, and just read the lyrics. I think there's five, maybe six verses to the song, and it's all biblical. Every last bit of it is biblical. It became wildly popular, and, and it was renamed Battle Hymn of the Republic. And as I said, both North and South sang the song during the war. Abraham Lincoln made the observation that both North and South believed in the same God. They read, read the same Bibles, and, and both sides prayed to the same God and asked for God's wrath to be visited on the other, believing themselves to be righteous. <clears throat> Pardon me, that's like us, isn't it? A sad circumstance about the song is that it is no longer as wildly popular today in the present spiritual environment that our nation is in. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord, was Julia Ward's house thought in this song. And it goes on biblically <clears throat> to describe in great detail the coming of the Lord. And it is a wonderful song. And, of course, the chorus goes, Glory, 
glory, hallelujah. And it's repeated again and again and again. Well, folks, several Christian denominations right now are celebrating or observing what they refer to as Advent. And interestingly, the word Advent and the word hallelujah are not found in the Bible, at least not in the King James, and not by that spelling. The word Advent means coming. It is a Latin word. It's found in the Latin Vulgate. And it is especially a Roman Catholic tradition. And I'm not here to kick around the Roman Catholics. That denomination has made its contribution to the Christian cause. Not always good. We've all had our failures. But the word Advent simply means coming. That's what Julia Ward Howe wrote about in this, to this tune, John Brown's Ghost. Julia Ward Howe was an abolitionist. Her husband was as well. But they were Christians. They believed in God. And, and this song is definitely biblically based and worthy of our singing it, embracing it as it is the truth. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The word Advent means coming, and it is a celebration of Christ's coming, uh, really in three phases. We'll talk about that in, in just a moment. It is Roman Catholic tradition, uh, the, the, the Orthodox Church, the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church. In recent times, uh, Protestant churches, evangelical churches have been adopting the, the, the observation, the practice of Advent, of recognizing the coming of the Lord, particularly this time of year. Brothers and sisters, as sure as I'm standing here, we can look around, as Harold has already observed, and, and, and know that Christmas is coming, isn't it? Tis the season. Christmas is coming. And you and I know the, the significance of Christmas coming. It is an observation of Christ coming to this world. Praise the Lord, it is. Any serious Bible student will know that we have no prescription in Scripture at all to celebrate Christ's birth. What we do have, in Luke's Gospel especially, is a prescription to remember His death. When Jesus gave the, this wonderful uh, ordinance to the church, communion, the Lord's Supper, the Lord said, do this in remembrance of me, and particularly in remembrance of his suffering and death on Calvary's cross, because it is by that means that our sins can be forgiven. Amen. Now, don't get me wrong. The virgin birth is absolutely necessary. We wouldn't have a sacrifice worthy uh, to pardon our sins if it had not been first and foremost, the virgin birth. 
that a man could, could, could come into this world, uh, a God-man, God manifest in the flesh, who could live the sinful life, who could start out without sin and live a perfect sinless life and with that life go to Calvary's cross and sacrifice himself that we might be saved. We celebrate Christmas and as I said, we have no prescription to do that and Most of you must know, should know, that much of our Christmas tradition is not biblically based at all. And I'm not here to carp and criticize our Christmas traditions. Brothers and sisters, it is a glorious opportunity for we Christians, for those of us who have been saved and who know the truth, to be able to set the record straight in the rest of the world to take advantage of the opportunity that is afforded us in the celebration of Christmas to tell the world about Christ's coming and the significance of it. Now, as I said, uh, in this tradition of Advent, the word Advent is a Latin word. It literally means coming. If you notice, I read in Malachi's writing here that he's talking about the coming of the Lord twice I think in these scriptures he talked about the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord and I want to tell you today that the Lord's coming was great and dreadful and his coming the next time will certainly be so When Christ came the first time, the heaven was filled with angels singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. When he comes the second time, we won't be hearing angels sing on that occasion. We will hear a trumpet blast. I believe it'll be long and it'll be loud. We'll hear the archangels shout. I don't know what it'll sound like, but it's going to awaken everyone that has ever lived from the foundation of the world until that time, whenever it is. Everyone's going to be awake. Everyone's going to be aware. Everyone's going to sing in a choir of some kind. I want to tell you today, I know which choir I'm going to sing in. I'm going to be with the group that's going to sing glory, glory, hallelujah. My Lord and Savior has appeared in glory. And there'll be many on that occasion. The Bible says it's a number that no man can number. I know the Bible says that there'll be few that will be saved. But I want you to understand that few in comparison to the rest of the world is going to be a number so immense that no man will be able to number them. It's going to be a huge crowd of people that are going to be singing in some way, glory, glory, hallelujah. The other choir, the other group that's going to sing on that occasion, they're going to sing a dirge. They're going to sing a lament. They're going to run to the rocks and the mountains. They're going to cry, God have mercy, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits upon the throne. 
Do you know what number you will be in? Do you know which side of the fence you'll be on? Do you know what choir you're going to be singing in? The Bible says every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess, every eye is going to behold him, and everybody's going to be singing something on that occasion. I'm thankful today that I know where I'm going to be singing. It's going to be a wonderful time. Praise the Lord, it is. Folks, listen. The whole world benefits from this holiday season in some way or another. The whole world. Businesses across the world, they're, they're going to move out of, the, out of the red and into the black. They're going to become solvent. Their bills are going to be paid up. Their businesses are going to be established and shored up for another little season until next year. That's what Black Sunday is all about. It's about getting all of us out and, and, and spending money to, to put all of these businesses back into order. The whole world benefits from that. The economic community benefits. Nations benefit in taxes received because of all of our spending. And, and everyone will benefit in, in some way from, from those things as well, along with the, the gifts and the treasures that we receive from loved ones and friends, or whatever. We're all benefited from it, and the whole world is benefited that in this time, in this world of darkness in which we live, praise the Lord, a little bit of light of the glory of God is seen in this Christmas holiday. We sing the song, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. I think it started for me at Dollar Tree around Halloween. They started dragging out the Christmas decorations already at Halloween. Yeah, and then Thanksgiving lights start showing up on the outside of the houses here and there. And now they're just everywhere. Praise the Lord. I like to drive around and look at them. They're beautiful. They're magnificent to behold. And it all is, is telling us about the coming of the Lord, about the coming of this holiday season. And what are we supposed to do at Christmas time? We're to get ready, aren't we? Advent is about the coming of the Lord. First, it's about God becoming flesh. John's Gospel, the first chapter, said that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as many as received them, Him, praise the Lord, they received power to become the sons of God. And it is through seeing, through an eye of faith, it is through believing and trusting in His name that we are saved, that we are made new creatures in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. The advent of Christ, it's about, it's about Christ living in us. Uh, Paul wrote in the Colossian letter, first chapter, he said, it's Christ in, in you, the hope of glory. I want to tell you, we're blessed in this world to be able to enjoy life to all of its fullness. God has made us rich and wealthy in material things. But if we live that life and we fail to get ready to meet Christ when he comes, we've lost it all. What have we, what have we gained? What have we profited? Nothing. The goal for our being here. 
is that Christ would be formed in us. That's the hope of immortal glory that you and I have through believing and trusting in his name. But finally, Advent is about Christ's second coming. The Hebrew writer says that the time is coming when Christ is going to come a second time without sin unto salvation. Listen, those of us that have been saved by his marvelous grace, we're saved spiritually. We're saved inwardly. Our physical bodies, yes, they're wearing out. Mine's wearing out way faster than I want it to, but it's wearing out. But glory to God, my inner man, my soul is renewed day by day because I put my faith and trust in him. And Christ is coming the second time without sin, but he's coming unto salvation. And he's going to deliver us, praise the Lord, body, soul, and spirit once and for all. I can sing glory, glory, hallelujah to that, can't you? Yeah, it's something to sing about. It's something to shout about. Oh, yeah, I said the word hallelujah is not found in our King James Bible. Check it out. Hallelujah, the way we spell it and the way we pronounce it, is not in the King James Bible. The word hallelujah, on the other hand, where... uh, George Friedrich Handel got his inspiration for the Messiah is found in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. There's coming a celebration out in the future when the saints of God, particularly the church, is going to be married to Jesus Christ, the Lamb, the Son of God. It's a mysterious event. And it's like, it's like heaven itself, you know, eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. We can scarcely comprehend the wonder of it all. But John the Revelator describes that occasion when that takes place, that the bride has made herself ready and the groom, the the Lord, our Savior, the Lord God omnipotent is there and they are married together in this wonderful celebration and the saints are shouting, Alleluia! And it goes on, this refrain goes on and on, alleluia, alleluia. And folks, we can't scarcely comprehend what it's going to be like in that day. Looks to me like anyone that would hear this wonderful message of, of Christ and him crucified, yea, risen and ascended. And coming back and taking his saints to glory to live with him forever in a country where there'll never be any darkness. There'll never be a tear shed. There'll never be a pain. There'll never be a sad thought. Uh, There'll never be a cross word. Everything will be, be, be wonderful and perfect and praise to God. Looks like we would do anything that we could to get ready for that occasion. Repenting of our sins. Coming to Jesus and acknowledging, Lord, I have no merit. I have no no worth, nothing of value to offer you. But your word promises eternal life to those who would simply believe and trust in your name. And I'm coming believing. Would you save me? Would you have mercy on me? And folks, it's that simple. 
It is that simple. We have to overcome our human nature. Yes, we do, but we have to muster some faith of some kind to step out of our seat and come to Christ or just sitting there where you're at to to just look to the Lord in the eye of faith and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Save my soul. And then when you're saved, to to stand up and and tell the world. I, I said this Christmas holiday, listen, There's so much that's wrong about it, but there's so much that's right too in that we have an opportunity to tell the world about Christ and all that he's done for us. Oh yeah. Last night we sat and listened to these songs that some of them I'd never heard before. It's so inspiring. Listen. If we could preach for a thousand years, we'd never get this story told. We'd never paint the picture. We'd never get to the last stroke. It's just bigger than we are. It's more wonderful than we can put into words. But think about it today. You can be a part of it by putting your faith and trust in the Lord and and being saved and following the Lord in baptism and uniting with the church and and living for God a, a life that would honor and glorify His name. Listen, the world doesn't want to hear about the coming of the Lord. They don't want to hear us singing, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. They don't want to hear us sing glory, glory, hallelujah. They'd rather hear anything else than that. But God's people will not be silenced. Jesus said it, if these are quiet, the rocks would immediately cry out, God is going to be praised. Christ, his son, is going to receive his glory. And one day in, in that glorious kingdom, we will lift our voices and sing glory, glory, hallelujah. Do you know what the word hallelujah means? It's not found in Scripture, not the way we spell it, not the way we pronounce it. It's found in the book of Psalms over and over and over in in its translation. Hallelujah is a compound word. That is, it's a, a word made up from two Hebrew words, Hillel and Yah. And it means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As we read the book of Psalms, gradually we start hearing this refrain in this largest of books in the Bible. It's all about praising the Lord. And we're, we're, we're challenged, we're commanded, we're, we're urged to praise the Lord. And as the book progresses and as it closes, the refrain gets to repeating itself more and more and more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And it's sad, isn't it, that this world that we're living in doesn't have enough sense to know that the Lord created the heavens and the earth and us too and made us in his own image and likeness, gave to us life and health and strength and everything besides and has promised us eternal life that we don't praise the Lord more than we do. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. 
We studied this in our Wednesday night Bible study. The Jew, when they would come to God's name, they never pronounced it. And so uh, the, the, the pronunciation of his name is lost to antiquity. It's lost to the ancient past. We just simply don't know how to pronounce God's name. They think it's Yahweh or Yeshua or Jehovah or something like that. The Jew, when he would come to it, he would just say, Adonai, the Lord, praise the Lord. Well, it's praise Jehovah. It's not praise Allah or praise Vishnu, but it's praise Jehovah. Malachi the prophet closes the Old Testament with this this promise. And a prophetic warning. The day of the Lord is coming. And he said, behold. The word behold is found in the King James Bible more than 1,300 times. It is uh, like an exclamation point. It's like the prophet is saying, listen to me when I'm talking to you. Look. Look. The Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. And it's going to burn as an oven. And all the proud and those that do wickedly are going to be stubble. And that day is going to burn them up completely. They'll be forever separated from God. Never to be changed. But to you that that believe to you that look for him. Praise the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. To you that look for him, the son of righteousness is going to arise with healing in his wings. And lost friend, I want to tell you today, our Lord and Savior is still alive. He's still well and he's still saving and there's still healing in his wings. And you can be saved right now today if you would let go of this world, if you would let go of your pride, acknowledge your sin to yourself and then come and acknowledge it to God and put your trust in him. You can be saved. Did you read the news lately? Wednesday night we closed our service here. I think every police car in Carroll County was just down the street. I don't know what was going on, but there's more blue lights flashing down there than I've seen in a long, long time. Just a week before, a young lady right up the road here attempted to take her life. I don't know if she's still living or not. The number of people that are taking their lives is on the rise. This world is a troubled place place. It's not a safe world to live in. Listen, my wife and I, we went to Kingsport at Thanksgiving time. We went to the church that my dad started some years ago. We wanted to see how they were doing. Their their, uh, Facebook page had the starting time different than than it actually was. We arrived late. The door was locked. We walked up to the door of the church and we couldn't get in. The door was locked. Listen, in my lifetime, We've come from churches leaving their doors open, unlocked, and so that people could come in all through the week and come in and have prayer at the altar. They could do that or just come in and sit and meditate on the goodness and the glory of God. We had to stop that a long time ago. Now we're at a place where we're locking the church doors and churches have guards stationed at the doors. 
I don't know if you know this, but we do too. Times are a-changing, aren't they? And this world that we're living in is not a safe place to live. Our churches, our schools are not safe. Our streets are not safe. The only safety, the only security that we have is in Christ, our Savior. And brothers and sisters, this is a message that we need to be sharing with the world at large. The old Christmas carol, go tell it on the mountains. As believers in Christ, that's what we should be sharing with the world around us. You know, Christmas is not just tinsel and Christmas trees. It's Christ. It's Christ virgin born. It's Christ's sinless life. It's His sacrifice on the cross. It's His resurrection. It's His glorious ascension to heaven, but His wonderful promise that He's coming back. And He is. Praise the Lord. He's coming back. I'm going to close. 1948, Leroy Abernathy wrote a song, black uh, gospel singer from years past. He wrote a song titled, A Wonderful Time Up There. And uh, they, they classified it in his day as gospel boogie. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty lively song. <clears throat> I want to tell you, last night's performance at at Bethel University, this gal came out on the stage and sang, He's Still the Lamb. It wasn't gospel boogie, but I'm telling you, it was powerful. Uh, Baptists, especially, they wouldn't let old Leroy sing that song in church because it was a little too lively for them. <clears throat> When Pat Boone recorded the song in 1957, and this gospel boogie song was in the top ten for weeks and weeks, singing about the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. He sang, Brother, there's a reckoning coming in the morning. Better get ready because I'm giving you a warning. Everybody's going to have a wonderful time up there. If you don't know the whole story, I'm telling you today, everybody's not going to have a wonderful time up there. Because there's going to be so many that are not ready to go. They're going to miss it. There's some sitting right here in, in this room right now. If you go the way you are right now, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. But there's a wonderful time coming. And those who are ready to meet the Lord when he comes, we're going to have a wonderful time up there. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Would you get ready? I don't know, maybe we'll live to see December 25th come. I made this statement a few years ago. I didn't want nothing for Christmas. A young lady just gave me a jar of nothing for Christmas. 
you get what you ask for sometimes. But I promise you this. If you'll come to Jesus, you'll get what you ask for. Peace. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hope and wonder and love and kindness and beauty and He's coming. Would you get ready? Adam, come lead us in a song. <laughs>